your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 187 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And if you don't follow us on Twitter, at Send Central, that intro probably blew your mind. Yes, Timmy Superstar will be on the show Monday and Tuesday, and stay tuned for a sneak preview at the end of today's episode. But it's Send Central Citizen Saturdays, and we're excited to have Steve on Sends. And we'll continue our discussion on which teams are most screwed by this long layoff. And how can I bury the lead? Friend of the show, Igor Sokolov, has signed his entry-level deal. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, November 21st, and welcome officially to the Senators organization, Igor Sokolov. Oh boy, couldn't be happier for Igor, and hey, call it the Sen Central bump. He comes on the show, the Senators obviously tuned in, or like, this guy's got more character than we even thought before. We got to sign this guy ASAP, and wouldn't you know it, Igor Sokolov, three-year entry-level deal with your Ottawa Senators. 46 goals, led the Quebec League last year in 52 games. How about that? Almost a goal per. So he hasn't even been playing in Quebec or in the Quebec League with Cape Breton this year. They've just been sitting at home, and you heard him on the show. He was ready to come and play for the Senators organization in Belleville. So it almost seemed like a matter of time to get this contract done, but a nice little signing bonus. And for how hard he's been working, going to Halifax four times a week, and then coming back to Cape Breton. That's a four-hour drive. This guy has been grinding it out, so it's great to get that signing bonus. Even better to know he's a part of the future. Man, he's got to keep that flow. Oh, yeah. He's he's looking so good. Man, Ego, like, what a fun guy. I'm so happy for him that uh, he gets to be a part of this organization. And look, this is a guy, if, if you didn't hear our interviews, go back and listen to them for sure. Great chat with him. But since day one, his goal has been to play in the NHL. He talked about how he was a little nervous to come to North America to play in the CHL when it first started happening, when Moncton was going to draft him. And he said, you know what, maybe I'll stay in Russia. And then Cape Breton gave him a chance and he said, no, I want to play in the NHL. And this is the proper path. I need to be in North America playing uh, these kind of games as soon as possible. And now he's one step closer. I think it's going to be interesting. I had a hot take way back in, Geez, I don't even know, like August or something, saying that one of the Senators' second-round draft picks will have a really good chance to crack this NHL roster, and that that guy is Igor Sokolov. Yeah, it's the only option, really, because Yarventi's lighting it up with Eels. Also, Tyler Clevin, whose season is about to start at UND. So Sokolov, really, for your hot take there, is the only opportunity, and I think he has a good one. But let's be a little more realistic. I mean, he can come in and impress in camp, and I think he would get an opportunity. But there is so much depth on both wings, although the right side a little bit less. But you think with Batherston making that jump, and then you already have Dadanov and Connor Brown and Austin Watson, 
are some of the left wing guys able to play the right side? That's where there's a lot of guys really bunched up on the left side, but I just named four that I think are already ahead of Igor. Where do you think would be the best place for him to start? Could he be a top line player in Belleville right away? Absolutely. Yep, for sure. There's no doubt in my mind that if he's not playing on the top line in Belleville, he's at least going to be in top six. And you mentioned a couple of roster opportunities in in the NHL that he could go for. As far as I'm concerned, and you can tell me if you think differently, there's only three spots available on uh, the forward side of the Ottawa Senators. And I'm going to say it's pretty much the entire third line. Like I would say your top two lines are filled out. The fourth line, I, me personally, I love the idea of Paul and Nisimov and Watson as your fourth line. That leaves the third line open. And I think the third line is where you want some of these young guys to play. I talked about it before. Batherson, Brown, Balsters. I think that's a perfect spot for them. If Sokolov was to make the team, I think a third line wing spot would be the spot for him. I don't think you want to shelter him on the fourth line. But then what he's going to have to beat out his buddy Drake Batherson for that position in my mind, which I don't see happening. So... I think it's good to have the competition, but I don't think he's quite there yet. So I would, I would love to see him in Belleville because I want to see him light it up there. Good depth problems to have if you're Ottawa and Belleville, but what we do know is that it is awesome to see Igor get rewarded for his hard work. And Pierre Dorian spoke to that in his statement. He said, to Igor's credit, he's worked especially hard for this. Despite initially being undrafted, he applied himself to improve many facets of his game to the point where he led the queue in goals last season. We were pleased to be able to select him where we did and look forward to seeing his career progress. So not by any means assured a spot in Ottawa, but eventually I believe he will get there. Yeah, definitely. And look, this you mentioned a couple of things right there. Like this is a driven kid. Like when Gerard Shaw told him, look kid, I don't think you have what it takes to play pro. He, did, he didn't just shrivel up and say, well, I guess that's it. He, he challenged himself and he said, I got to get better at skating. I got to uh, drop some weight. I got to get stronger. I got to be um, better at defensively. Like he made sure he's doing the things to make him much more likely to be able to perform at a pro level. And I don't see why Igor would stop that. I only see him getting better and better. So I, it's probably not likely we're going to see him on the Ottawa Senators this season, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't become an Ottawa Senator at one point. Who do you think would be a good centerman to have on his line? I feel like he needs a guy who can facilitate. And let's say Josh Norris is a guy who still needs a bit more seasoning in Belleville. I don't know if that's the perfect fit. I feel like he needs a guy who can really move the puck around a little bit more. Like Logan Brown, I think, would be a good fit, although he's likely to be in Ottawa. Where do you see him fitting in on a chemistry level with his line mates in Belleville? Yeah, my my initial thought went to Logan Brown. I think uh, Logan Brown can dish the puck out and you get two big bodies on the same line and guys that can produce as well. I think that'd be great. But we'll see if Logan Brown cracks the NHL roster or not. That's yet to be seen. But that would be my number one choice for a centerman to go with Igor Sokolov. Yeah, lots of intrigue whenever camp does begin. If you didn't hear our show yesterday, we dove into the fact the NHL and NHLPA have let money get in the way of our happiness. How dare they? Because we miss hockey 256 days since the Ottawa Senators last played a game. But the good news if you're a Sens fan is the Twitterverse is never ending content. There's all sorts of great stuff and Steve on Sens big part of that. And that's why he is this week's Sens Central Citizen. 
All right, we're excited to bring on the only person in the world with a Martin Prusak jersey. I'm sure that'll come up soon, but it's Stephen Hickson at Steve on Sends, and I love the bio. It's just so concise online. Yes, he is, and we are online with him on Zoom right now. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really appreciate it. We're excited to have you, and as we start every Sense Central Citizen, your origin story. How did you initially become an Ottawa Senators fan? Uh, well, I was born in 97, so I um, I kind of like grew up at the time when the Sens were, you know, really good. It almost it seemed like every year, like they were in contention. So I grew up watching my dad. And like when you're a kid, um, you, it's pretty easy to fall in love with Patrick Aleem with that mask and that setup. So I'd say that really drew me into the team. And then, uh, you know, when, when I was like in the age where I could properly understand what was going on, it was like 2005, 06 and the, the, the cup run and everything. So uh, I was kind of uh, stuck with the team after that, uh, for better or for worse. So um, that's how I am and where I am today in this, uh, this mess. <laughs> nice, nice. So what, what are you mentioned the cup run was the first kind of when you knew what was going on. What's kind of the first memory you can think of where you're like, wow, this team is so fun. I am officially a Sens fan and I'm sticking with this. Like what is the one kind of moment or time where you were fully drawn in? I feel like it would have to be like I was definitely into the team like in the early 2000s but yeah like like you said uh, when I was actually the age where I was probably understanding it I'd say it was probably the start of 0506 where like they had just acquired Heatley um, and it seemed like they were blowing out the leaves like eight to two every game so oh yeah um, that was like so much fun the start of that year so um, that would probably be like the big catalyst that drew me in. Fun fact about Danny Heatley too. I was just going back because obviously we look back when there's when there's big days in Sens history, and uh, obviously we're trying to fill a bit more time with the long layoff between games. Did you know that Danny Heatley started his Senators career on a 22 game point streak? Um, I'm not surprised it was that. I didn't know it was that that number specifically, but that's that's not a shocker at all. Like nice, nice. The heater was on a heater to get things started. Now, Steve, I want to get your take. This was a busy, busy off season for the Ottawa Senators. Now, usually we ask uh, what the Send Central Citizens' favorite off season acquisition is, but we've pretty much been getting 50-50 split between Dadnov and Murray. What I'm going to switch the question up a little bit for you here. What's the most intriguing? off-season edition the Sens have had here and you can still go with one of those two answers I won't take those off the board for you I was gonna say Dadnov just because it was so unexpected and uh, it's, it's exciting to have that kind of a uh, uh, skill in the top six when I did not expect that at all uh, intriguing I might go with Galchenyuk like it's such a, a low-risk signing uh, it'll be interesting to see how he actually fits in uh, to the lineup especially with the amount of young players pushing for roster spots but uh I mean, if he comes out, he, you know, I don't think it would be a complete shocker if he put up 20 goals or something like that. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to follow for sure. Do you Where see him you... as a center or a wing? Uh, definitely on the wing, I think. I mean, I think Montreal kind of uh, experimented with that. Uh, and as much as Habs fans probably want to see the Sens experiment with Galchenyuk at center, I, I don't think it's uh, probably where he's lost in. Do you see him as a similar situation to Anthony Duclair when he was acquired? Um, yeah, I definitely think uh, it's that kind of uh, acquisition where it's, uh, it's a low-risk, high-reward kind of thing. Maybe uh, um, he'll pump his stats and maybe we can uh, trade him at the deadline or something like that. So 
Um, I'm definitely intrigued by that. I don't, I, I wouldn't say I, I love the signing, um, but it's definitely an intriguing one for sure. Yeah. Intriguing is the right word because you look at the left wing depth and I want to see Rudy Balsers get a shot at NHL minutes this year. Same said for Philip Schlappick. And it just seems like it closes the door a bit on those guys. And DJ Smith though, is the kind of coach where he's no nonsense. I don't think Galchenyuk's going to be getting away with what he, what he was doing in Minnesota and Pittsburgh and, and even Arizona, like just moving around as much as he has he's in a situation where this might be his last opportunity before he's KHL bound with his OHL buddy, Nail Yakupov. But it's a great opportunity to prove he belongs as an NHL player. I can't wait to see it. But there are lots of – I like your intriguing answer too, but there's lots of exciting prospects too going on right now. Are you on fully on board the Robbie Yarventi train? I mean, it's hard not to be. It seems like every time I open Twitter, Sense Prospects has got an update that he's – you know, scored a goal or has a secondary assist or something like that. So, I mean, um, it seemed like everyone was like, that was an intriguing uh, pick to, to start the second round. Uh, there were some bigger names um, left on the board, but uh, I don't think anyone hated that pick at all. And it's, it's looking phenomenal right now. Um, so that's definitely uh, one that I'm, I'm excited about. And I, my friend just texted me that he's got, uh, he's got more points in the Finnish league than uh, Kotkaniemi right now. So um you know, that's uh, it's hard to not get excited about that. Yes, suck on that one, Habs fans. Yeah, yeah, you'll love the ricochet shot to the Habs. Um, now, another thing we always do on Send Central Citizen, we, we want to hear some hot takes thrown around. Like, we, there's so much intrigue going into this season. What's a hot take you got for us coming into this one, Steve? Um, well, my hottest take right now is that Todd White will never unblock me on Twitter. Um, you've got, I think... Seven wait, 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 before you get into that, what happened there? What's the origin of that story? Take us through this. Um, there's really no origin story. Uh, one time I just, uh, I think I clicked on his name on Twitter and I found out that I was blocked by him and I did a search to see if I had ever interacted with him and I haven't. And it seems like there's a couple other people who have just been blocked for no reason by Todd White and I just... I just want justice to be restored and get unblocked. I don't, I don't want to follow him. I don't want him to follow me. I just want to get unblocked. So we've got like, I think over $750 on Twitter pledged if Todd, to go to the uh, Ottawa food bank. If Todd white unblocks me on Twitter, um, I've got people who have reached out to him. He seems to not want to do it. So I don't think it's ever going to happen at this point. Wow. For, for the food bank too. Like that's such a great cause. Come on, Todd. And is there more clout being blocked by Todd white or by Sean Simpson? Um, I feel like, um, probably, uh, simmer, um, just because those are actually happened for reasons. Um, the Todd white block happened, like I said, for no reason at all. Um, yeah. So. Well, we're just a little sour cause we got the simmer block recently. And as a goalie friendly show that kind of hurt a little bit, but at the same time it was, we weren't even talking to him. We just said, Hey, it's not the worst thing for Timmy Stutzla to play one more year in Germany. He retweeted us with K. I don't know why. It was a little condescending in itself. And then the next day, we go and, and we're blocked. So anyways, we can commiserate with that. Former NHLers blocking us on Twitter. I feel like with Simmer, all you got to do is bring up the uh, with the 87 punch-up in Piastani, and then he'll, uh, he'll get too excited and then give you the unblock. That's his like big legacy he's got going. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that, Steve. So uh, coming up later in the show, we're getting into the teams that the – I was going to call it a lockout. It may as well be. It's been so long. The long layoff that between games, we're talking like the Sens are probably at the other end of this spectrum because they're getting free development from Eels, from UND, and so many players out on loan, including Branster, my favorite guy who is getting to play games, most important for him. But for these older teams and for teams who are cap-strapped and 
there's just a lot of uncertainty for many teams. So who do you think is most affected by this layoff? Well, I feel like it's more of a, a franchise as a whole rather than the team um, because like, there's, there's definitely some teams who are old and who will get hurt. But in terms of an entire franchise, the one that's been impacted the most, I think, is Arizona. Um, got a situation where their GM left. Uh, they had a first-round exit. Uh, they didn't have a first, second, and third-round uh, pick this year, and we all know what happened to their fourth-round pick, Mitchell Miller. Uh, and they don't have a first in 2021. Um, so it almost gives me, like, similar to Ottawa in 2018-19 vibes where we didn't have that first-round pick, and it seemed like everything was, was going horribly. So I think, like, as a franchise, they're in a tough spot coming back. And, like, uh, it's, a, it's a non-traditional hockey market, so you don't get that, that, you know, conversation, that hype that a lot of other teams might benefit from. So I think they're in a really tough spot coming back from this. How long do you think it's going to take them to recover from from this year? Like they they went from being in the qualifying round, beating the Preds somehow, and then getting embarrassed by the Avs, and then like you said, their draft situation is just in shambles. Like, how long is it going to take for them to be at least a team pushing for playoffs again? Uh, like uh, that's that's really tough because it, it it did it did seem like they were kind of coming to the end of their their previous rebuild, and like for that to be the the climax there, that's really disappointing so i'd say like they're like looking at least like at a best case scenario i think three years but i would say more like probably more than five years i think yeah uh, they're also the team you mentioned how they really have gotten through that last rebuild they paid all those guys too and they haven't really excelled to the level that you'd expect clayton keller making bobby ryan type money and then you look at on defense like they locked up these young kids like chikrin on a six-year term and that's really not allowing them much space, even if they wanted to blow things up to get draft picks again, because these guys they drafted are locked up at such high value and at such a long term. So they're in trouble. The only thing they do have going for them is Darcy Kemper in goal. Like that, that guy is a stud. But they're trying to trade him. Why? Because <laughs> they made a bad decision and signed Nanty Ranta to big money as well? Doesn't make any sense, man. But hey, with all, all the tough teams, there are – Good news in Sens land, which how, how often is that? Like all these other teams talking about how bad this is going to affect them. Whereas in Ottawa, we've got the Robbie Yarventi show. The fighting senators are starting their college schedule soon. And Sens Twitter is alive as ever. And hopefully it livens up for you in the Todd White situation. We are heavily on Team Steve on Sens and Team Food Bank. Like, let's go, Todd. Let's get the people some money to a great cause Thank you for joining our cause, Steve. Really appreciate you having as a Sense Central citizen. Thanks for having me on, guys. Like, I feel like I often feel like I'm wasting time tweeting about a team that hasn't played uh, in eight months, but you guys put out like a podcast every day about a team that hasn't played in eight months. So um, good on you guys for keeping the conversation going. Okay, Pilsy. So we finished off with Steve discussing a team that is screwed by this long layoff. And there's a number of them. Good news, Ottawa, not on this list, no chance. But we're going to do it draft style, our three each. We're going to put gold, silver, and bronze for who does this affect the most in a negative way. And I'm happy to announce with the first overall pick, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you can say, oh, no, they're not an old team. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. But I'm looking at this at a bit of a different angle. Matthews, five-year contract. Marner, six-year contract. These guys are going right up to unrestricted free agency, and they're in the prime of their career. So every game missed for those players in this team 
is, is a huge detriment. And then you couple that with the fact their goalie, starting goalie, who plays basically every game for them, is in the last year of his contract. So not getting every game out of him, they are in tough in Toronto. Hey, they couldn't even extend their bubble experience. So who knows if they even want it. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, good choice there. And especially the Leafs kind of went the other they, They're zigging while everyone's zagging. Everyone else is trying to get younger and faster. Well, they shipped out Kapanen and Janssen to get Simmons, Thornton, and uh, well, I guess VC's not that old. But uh, they definitely didn't get any younger. That's for sure. So, And, you know, we always got to throw a quick jab at the Leafs first things first. So I'm going to take the second pick here. And this one, I don't know how to say this nicely. But this is easily the worst franchise in the NHL. And this is an Ottawa Senators podcast. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think you could have a worse year and a worse time for the pandemic to happen than this team. Let's just quickly go through this. It was clear that these guys were imposters in the NHL playoffs this, this year. Like, they got embarrassed by the Colorado Avalanche. Like, it looked like the Avs were playing a decent AHL team. Like, they were just spanking them. So, that's not a like, good sign. That was like what we were talking about with Noodles, Vegas versus Ottawa. That was every game in the Colorado, Arizona. If it weren't for Darcy Kemper, yeah. that was a 7 nothing every game. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. If it wasn't for goaltending, yeah, it looked like they were, playing, they were an ECHL team playing against the Avs. And what, is the, what does that say about the Nashville Predators, though, who lost in the qualifying round to Arizona? <laughs> a ricochet shot to the Predators. I love it. I love it. Um, but, th- like, that's on the ice. Off the ice was even worse. Like, Cheka screwed them over so bad, getting draft picks taken away for testing prospects. They weren't even going to have a sniff at, at having a chance to draft, ironically. And then he wanted a job with the Devils, and then he quit anyway. So now the Coyotes are high and dry. He, so, quit, he quit on the night before they went into the bubble. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could, he couldn't have screwed them over worse. Like, like, that's like an inside job by the Devils. Like, let's screw the Coyotes over, I guess. I don't know. So then they get a new GM who all you have is time. You have months and months and months to get ready for this draft. You're not, you can even wait longer because you're not picking till the fourth round. And what do they do with their big splash fourth round pick? They decide to pick a guy who the hockey world has written off because he's a known racist bully. And that's the guy they decide to put all their chips into? What? I, I don't understand how they do that. So they don't accomplish anything in free agency either. You think that, that would be their selling point? Like, look, we, have all, we should have all this money to spend and you can live in Arizona. Nope, nobody's interested. So the only thing they've done positively was their retro jerseys. Like, I didn't really like them, but a lot of people think they're fun and uh, kind of was uh, the purple and the Kachina design was kind of cool. So that's fine, but... I don't see the Arizona Coyotes like this year and the pandemic is going to put them back for the next five years. I don't see them even being close to a contending team for a half a decade. Yeah. And they're still going to feel the brunt of that testing next year when they lose another draft pick, I believe a second rounder for that one. So they've also traded a first round pick for Taylor Hall. They, that worked out for what? 20 games. Like, They, uh, they've had a lot of whoopsies on and off the ice. So that's a great first choice. My second choice, I'm going with the Washington Capitals. And sure, you can say that they did get their Stanley Cup. So all of this is kind of bonus, icing on the cake. But when you have 
the best goal scorer in NHL history at 35 years old, still tying for a Maurice Richard trophy. You want that guy back on the ice as soon as possible. I'm not worried that he's going into the last year of his contract. He has stated he's only playing for Washington. He's a guy who doesn't even need an agent. Ted Leonsis, he's going to pay him. That doesn't matter. But what does matter is getting as many goals from him in the prime of his career. Crazy to call 35 his prime, but Ovi's just an animal. So you have that. You need to keep him going. And for a fan standpoint, like we want him to break the record. So get Ovi back on the ice. And I'm also looking at their decor. So they have six defensemen that are all making $2.5 million or more. One of them is under 30, and he's 29-year-old Dmitry Orlov. They have five defensemen, which is kind of crazy, that are all exactly 30 years old. And we know that weird. after 30, the curve usually starts to go the other way. Unless you're Ovechkin. Unless you're Ovechkin. I don't think that Justin Schultz, Brendan Dillon, Michael Kempney, or Nick Jensen are Alexander Ovechkin. And sure, I left out John Carlson for that, a very good player. He is also 30. He's also signed for six more years at $8 million per. So let's talk about a 35-year-old John Carlson making 8 nil. But that's the price you pay when you win a cup. So I'm not worried about that. And I'm not worried about their goaltending. They have Samsonov coming up, Lungfist, whatever, stopgap in the meantime. But I think that they're very much affected by this long layoff. And who knows? Maybe these guys have a little trouble getting back and Uh, Their prospect pool is non-existent, as you'd expect for a contending team. But I don't know. I don't like this layoff for the Washington Capitals either. I think the the biggest point I took away from that, and I hadn't thought of this at all, is Ovechkin missing games, therefore making it harder for him to break the goals record. That's actually huge. Like, that's that's a factor for the game of hockey, not just the uh, Washington Capitals. Like, we all want that to happen. So that's a big one. Fun fact about Alexander Ovechkin. He's missed nine games in his career due to injury. Nine wow. games. If you look and that at- guy plays a hard game. Yep. He, man, do you remember the first couple of years of his career where he was literally bulldozing every single player on the ice? It all culminated in the Olympics. Remember when he absolutely devastated Yermer Yager at center ice? It was one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. But yeah, if you go through, he has six seasons of 82 games and everyone else is like 79, 78. So he's been screwed more than anybody because his rookie year where he ultimately beat out Crosby for the Calder where he had 52 goals, 106 points, that would have been the old 405 season where he got locked out completely. Then he gets a half season lockout in 2012-13 and then now this. So really tough sledding for Ovi. Yeah, that's... That's tough. But hey, like you said, they have their cup. So anything else, it doesn't really matter. They got it. That's fine. All right. My second pick here, and this is kind of similar to my first one, is this this team just is in endless bad luck. And they have one of the greatest fan bases in the entire league. I'm talking about the Buffalo Sabres. What a wild ride for this team. Like, so, well, and especially look at what they did, like heading it before the qualifying bubble. They traded future assets for declining veterans, thinking they were somehow going to make the playoffs. Like, what? I don't know what the thinking was there. Then they had one of the biggest mass firings an NHL franchise has ever had. I forget what the number was. It was like, it was like 48 people were fired in one day. They even accidentally fired their IT guy. And then they were like, oh, wait, actually, like, we need you. And the, the hockey team's performance 
isn't affected by you developing and fixing software for us and stuff like that. And then, look, they had a good draft. That's great. Like, they should have. But then the Taylor Hall thing, I don't see this as a positive for the Sabres. Like, this is a Band-Aid solution. They're trying to appease to Jack Eichel. But all they're doing is giving Taylor Hall a stepping stone to get a better contract somewhere else. And you're paying a guy $8 million in a pandemic time when the economy is down. And you're probably either going to trade him or he's going to walk after. And you're not a contending team. What do they think they're doing? They don't have goaltending. So, well, imagine being a team with no lottery odds and not being invited back. And that's why the San Jose Sharks are my third pick in this, what do we call this? Uh, crapshoot, we can call it. Of the COVID team. crapshoot. COVID crapshoot. But the San Jose Sharks, man, they had an old roster and they have been trying to get younger. They moved on from Joe Thornton, although they did still bring back Patrick Marlowe at 41 years old. Very cool moment, though, on deck next year when Patrick Marlowe breaks the all-time games played record held by Gordy Howe. So that's a cool moment, but I look up and down their roster and I see a lot of overpayment. I'm not going to say the name, but you know the name who's going to be one of the highest paid players for the next eight years, and we'll see how it works out. But they're old on defense. Like, dude, how about this contract? Brent Burns is 35 years old, and he has five years left at $8 million. The the fact that they're going to be paying those three guys, what, upwards of $20 million when they're all over 35? 20? Try 24. Yeah. Whoa. It's insane. Like, they're, they're screwed. I don't know what they're going to do, but Devin Dubnik comes in to save the day. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, you still have Martin Jones signed at 5.75 over the next four years. This might be the worst calf-friendly page in the NHL right now. Coyotes, uh, coyotes are spending the most money. How? They, I don't understand. <laughs> True. That's fair. Although, you mentioned it, and it's in five years from now, you'll have a 35-year-old Eric Carlson, a 40-year-old Brent Burns, and a 38-year-old Mark Edward Vlasic making $24 million against the cap. How are you supposed to compete when and you especially with the up? cap no longer steadily going up. Like, that would have been okay if you're like, well, the cap's going to keep going up. Economy's good. We're, the revenue's good. The TV deals are going up, et cetera. But that is not the case. Well, and then Evander Kane, who he's a fine player. He's not my favorite, but he's fine. He's got five years left at seven, and that's going to be at 34 years old as well. So it's going to be really interesting how Doug Wilson weasels his way out of this one because they are very committed to spending almost all their caps. So not a lot of wiggle room for the Sharks, and that's why they are the third. Oh, and they gifted us with Timmy Superstar. Stay tuned after Pilsy makes his final pick here. We're going to give you a little sneak preview, and it was the newsy part of a great interview. We talked to him about his hand, so we'll let you get that update from him after Pilsy makes his third pick. The source itself. What, what better source of information? Super than source. Timmy, super source. <laughs> um, for, my, for my third one, this one's kind of a gimme. I already mentioned on the last pod, but the Dallas Stars. Like, I just feel so bad for this guy, these guys. Like It was a heartwarming story. They, they had to overcome a lot of stuff. And after two months of being in the bubble, not seeing your families, you're the final losers. And now you just got to sit with that. And the, the thing you want to do most when you've just lost a championship is get back out there on the ice and forget about it and work on getting this year's championship. And they don't have that opportunity for, for a while now. So that's got to suck. But 
One positive is both their goalies have had time to recover. Bishop's been injured, and Kudobin, I believe, just had successful surgery. So, well, it, it was Bishop and Sagan, this extra long break might be a blessing because they both had their surgery their like five yeah. month recovery times. Yeah, so for in that sense, it's a positive, but I just think it would be so hard going through all that just to come up empty-handed, and then you got to sit with those feelings for that long before you can start turning things around. Agreed. I think that these six teams we mentioned are only the cherry on top of a time where many teams are struggling. The Senators, however, with the amount of players out on loans, the free development they're getting with college hockey, and, well, frankly, the fact that this was not a competing year for Ottawa. Do we miss watching them play? Hell yeah. I want to hear the the via rail train goal horn as much as anybody else. I need to hear the dun, 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 dun. I want, it, I want all that. But the fact of where Ottawa is in this rebuild tells me enough that it might be a blessing in disguise. So, Pilsy, day off tomorrow, and then we'll be back Monday with a very anticipated show. Yes, if you saw on Twitter at Send Central or if you just heard off the top, Timmy Stutzla will be on the podcast. We went just about 25 minutes with him. He is just an awesome kid. Giggly, fun, insightful, and this guy's English is just getting better and better, just like Igor, man. Like both of those guys, they know that they want to play in North America, and a part of that is learning the language. So credit to them for doing these interviews in their second language. It can't be easy. And so we know we're making you wait a little bit. We want to start the week off with Timmy Stutzla. This is a Saturday tradition, Send Central Citizens. We want to thank Steve on Sends for joining us, but let's get the newsy part because everyone's curious. How is the hand, Timmy? Well, let's find out from him. My hand is doing better day by day, so that's great. How is the rehab? Did I see that your cast is off now? Yeah, so the rehab is going very good. Uh, I had a meeting with the doctor yesterday and he says I'm doing very, very good and the hand is getting better. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can join the team practice in maybe one and a half weeks already. So that's great. And uh, I think there's no no way that I can play the World Juniors. So there you have it. The hand's feeling great. He's going to be joining his teammates at practice within the next week and a half. And you don't have to wait long for the rest of the interview. We'll be back Monday for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team 